Thanks for taking a walk with me and checking out the retail gems down the street, around the corner, and in our own backyards in the Store Next Door podcast, where each show we talk to owners, managers, and employees of some of the coolest bookstores around and some of your favorite and soon-to-be favorite authors. I'm Doug Cooper, author of the award-winning novels Outside In and The Investment Club and the 2019 thriller Focus Lost. This podcast is brought to you by Rare Bird Books, based in Los Angeles a publisher of 50-plus books per year, distributed worldwide by PGW. Today, I'm here with Amelia Rosa, author of Finding Christina and the sequel, Finding Christina, A New Life. Amelia was raised in Rio and in the south of Brazil and has lived in Florida and now resides in Ohio. In addition to English, she is fluent in Portuguese, Spanish, French, and Italian. Welcome, Amelia. Thanks for joining us on the Store Next Door podcast. Thank you so much for having me. So I know you're out promoting, doing all sorts of events. It's scary, but exciting times when you share your book with the world and put yourself out there. Um, The Midwest Book Review posted a nice review. One of the excerpts they said was, readers will be delighted in the manner in which Amelia Rosa presents her spunky, strong character's response to the mystery and love that led her in unexpected new directions. What has surprised you the most as you've been out promoting your book? I think that people actually go to the internet and search uh, places, foods, music, things that I wrote about in the, the story. And uh, what also surprised me and, and also pleased me very much was that many people told me that reading my novel was like watching a movie. Uh, the, it's like the imagery was easily imagined or if I can say that way, because that's how I write. I actually see the scene when I'm writing. I I imagine that probably all authors are like that, but it's like a movie. You know, that was one of the things I I thought too. I really loved the language and characters in your book Um, and the setting. Definitely. I've spent some time in, in Brazil, in Sao Paulo, in, in Rio, um, in Porto Alegre. And so it was really nice. And I like books that have setting as almost another, another character. And I really thought, you know, your language um, did just paint a picture and, and it transports you, uh, you know, it transports the readers to a different, you know, a different setting. Um and then people like to, you know, explore what the, what they're reading about. And I know that English is not your native language. As we said, you're fluent in, in many languages. Um, but, you know, your, your command of the English language and, and how you write is really nonpareil with words, you know, that uh, like paroxysm, rictus, peroration, potentate, poilu, sobriquet, you know, to what do you attribute that um, ability and just that command of the English language with it not being your, your native tongue? Many times I use words I remember from Portuguese. Uh, it happens a lot when my husband and I are talking and I use a word that he doesn't understand. I look at him and he clearly is confused. So he goes to into the internet, does a research and finds that the word is actually correct, but not very used nowadays. It's not uh, archaic. It's just not used in a daily dialogue. So I normally like those words. Uh, in the case of the word poilu, 
which is French. I found it in a book called L'Argot des Poilus, which is a book that I read to uh, make sure that the words that I was using about World War One were correct. Actually, they called Great War at the time because there was just that one war. Yeah, and it's funny. I like that you you picked that word out because I, I like your husband, had to look up that word. And when I looked it up, it it had a meaning to me just because my appearance uh, coincides with that these days. My hair is long. I have a very long, shaggy beard. And uh, I was like, oh, may, am I getting ready for war? The, you know, that's exactly how, how, I, uh, how, I, how I read it. And I was like, oh, that's very, very fitting. But I, I liked that aspect of the book. And, you know, people read for different reasons, some for entertainment, some for education, some for a little bit of, uh, of both. And, you know, I like when I'm reading and I come across words that um, I, I don't I'm not familiar with. I have to look up and and they are like the perfect word that that represents and you understand what what the author was going for. And in, in the process, you know, the readers expand their their vocabulary um, and and learn something. So that was one of the things I, I really, um, really enjoyed. And it wasn't just like the individual words that you chose, but also how you string them together and just thought it, there were so many really beautiful passages. And, and one I want to share with our our listeners here. Um, how many times had her footprints been left in these sands to be obliterated by the waves? She watched as small shells that mingled with the sand were thrown about by the revolving water. They so perfectly reflected her life. Her lips actually curved in the shadow of a smile, a somewhat bitter one, like, uh, like those waves. Life circumstances impelled her like the helpless shells, and her mind recollected the last events that had befallen her. Faces, fragments of conversations, scenes like disjointed clips from a movie projected on her mind's screen. Just so gorgeous and elegant and and perfect for the scene. I felt like I was on the beach in Rio. You know, how were you able to capture that so well? I think in this case, maybe because I've done that so many times. Uh, I lived in Rio until I was nine, then moved to south of Brazil. And But every summer vacation, uh, we I went to Rio to visit my sister, who was married and still lived there. She still lives there, my brothers too. So it was an experience in this specific case that I had many, many times. And I love the water, especially the sea. So describing that is like going back there to me. Um, you know, seeing the footprints disappearing is also uh, something that I did a lot by being at the beach. Um, the rest of the what you read is simply uh, thought of my memories, and I wrote about how they come to me, uh, how life has impelled me like these shells. Uh, funny, but I have never realized that until you asked me. It, I, this and, and other things that you were just mentioning never occurred to me before. It's interesting to hear other people talking about what you write. It's so varied and rich. It's I, I enjoy it very much. 
Yeah, it's and and you never know uh, when you put something out there. You know, people will pick up on stuff that you know maybe consciously you didn't mean, but it's it means something. It means something to them, and it's nice to nice to hear that back. Um, you know, you, you talk a lot about the water and and the places that you've lived. Do you always have you always lived around water? Um, in, yeah, in Rio, we, we used to go to the beach because normally it's uh, warm and uh, there's winter is very short. Um, and in Porto Alegre, I actually lived in Porto Alegre too, south of Brazil, Rio Grande do Sul state, the last one right before Uruguay. My father was from a small town called Bagé, uh, near the border with Uruguay. And he always wanted to move back there. And, um... Uh, they had a river, but it was quite polluted already. But uh, I think my fascination with water comes from my early years being at uh, so much access to the beach or the swimming pool. That's probably is. I don't know. I feel like a fish. I see water. I want to jump in. Another turn of phrase I really enjoyed was Christina was amazed at the lengths to which a guilty heart would go to seek forgiveness. And as a character, she has such depth and influence on people. What was your inspiration for her? It's interesting. I never thought of what inspired Christina. She and Robert just uh, came ready uh, somewhat to me. And um, the story developed. I knew how uh, I wanted them to interact uh, how, you know, not the details, but um, she doesn't have anything with the exception of temper, of very hot temper. Everything, uh, we are completely different. I'm six one, she is five three or something like that. Um, but uh, I, I don't know what inspired me. It's odd. I, I was asked many times what inspired me to write the story. And I don't remember. I think the fact that I read voraciously my entire life, uh, having a book in my hands or writing something is just natural, uh, second nature, I would say. But I don't know. <laughs> I have no idea. I thinking now, suddenly I remember that my mother, when she was very young, she had had that little short uh, La Garçon hair. I think you call page hair, right? And she was very, very pretty. And maybe that was in my unconscious uh, when I was writing, but I cannot tell you for sure. Yeah, because usually people's early early novels, you know, tend to be more autobiographical or they, they use pieces of, of their lives. Um, but it seems like you, you didn't do that outside of maybe the, the settings that Christina and you are, are very much opposites. I know it's strange because it never occurred to me until people start asking me what inspired you to write. And I thought, oh my God, I have no idea. I'm just decided to start and my husband also kept saying you have a story and you have to start writing go for it yeah and she's i think another reason is you know she's she has such a magical quality to her that as i said you know just such depth and influence um that you know 
every place she goes, you know, the, the eyes are, are on her and people want to know her, want to know, um, uh, want to know more about her. Um, so you, we, you talked about how people, um, you know, mentioned about thinking of it as a movie when you were writing it, did you have a particular actress, uh, in in mind that you pictured or a per, or a person that you pictured as as like a physical representation of of Christina no uh-uh. i could not find anyone i i looked and looked the second book one of the characters i like uh, i actually based on an actor that i think is very handsome but the other characters uh, with the exception of uh, Spigot, that uh, he looked like uh, it was inspired by a, um, he was a Marquis uh, Soveral, Portuguese guy who was from King Edward VII uh, sat in the late 1800s. That's how I imagine him. But the other characters, with the exception of this character of the second novel, I have no idea. I actually did look, and I cannot find any woman pretty enough, any actress pretty enough to make her. And Robert, I also cannot figure. I, I th- their faces are kind of like a haze. Although I know if I if I were to see them, I would recognize. That's crazy, isn't it? But um, looking for actors, can't find anyone so far. I wished it was a movie. Everybody tells me, oh, this book would be an excellent movie. And I think Rio is so photogenic, too. It would be beautiful. Yeah, I, I, it's such a, a perfect uh, perfect setting for, for a movie. Um, with... Um, you know, with, with the other characters, I mean, Christina is definitely the driving force, but all the other characters are, are kind of, are, are quirky and unique and, and intriguing, uh, as well. Even the, even the smaller bit parts, like you, you mentioned Spigot and some, some of the others that, um, kind of pop into the, the scenes. How do you go about developing, you know, uh, these characters? And, and making them so round and, and, and full, f- even if they have small parts. It's strange. They just come to me. <laughs> I uh, mentioned that because I've been in fairs, book fairs, etc. So I talk to other authors all the time. They were sitting there and chatting. And I mentioned that. And I say, am I crazy? And they say, no, it happens to me too all the time. Most of my characters are like that. So... I just don't know. It's like suddenly I think, okay, I would like something like this to happen. Then, pops, this character just shows up. And it's like a a skeleton, um, very, very vague. And I start thinking about the setting and the character develops slowly. Also, what I like to do, and I don't know if this is a very bad way of writing, but... I don't plan the details because what happens is they get bored. So when I'm writing the character, I just let the character happen according to the scene. So the description of the character develops as I'm writing. I don't know if that is understandable. I always like to talk to other authors about that as well because there's so many different ways that that people 
approach, uh, approach writing, execute writing, plan, don't plan. Um, you know, some feel like as, as you do that, um, you know, planning too much boxes, boxes you in and you're writing and you like it to be more organic and, and flow. And I, I think, you know, it's, it's just, that's one of the unique things about, about writing is it really is a unique journey for each, for each author and, and how they go about it. For, for me, I, I do more structured, like planning with personality kind of types. And, and, uh, you know, I end up not using 90% of the stuff I create, but when I'm writing, if, if a detail will, will pop up, but, you know, I, I'm just more that way. I'm just more of a, 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 of a planner and, and stuff, but it's, it's, it's very, it's, it's always interesting to hear people's because as, as rich and round as your characters are, I thought, oh man, you could have had like a story, you know, just on, just on those people. Yeah. It, I, I like to be, uh, my idea when I'm, I'm writing mostly is I want to be surprised by the scene. I know it sounds nuts, but uh, I want the scene to start developing and lose control because I am a control freak. Then maybe that's why I do that. So the scene I kind of know what I want it to be, but sometimes it goes in a completely different way. It's like there is someone else writing. And do you find um, that the writing is, you, you mentioned you're, you're very much controlling, but your writing sounds like you're completely opposite of that. Do you think your writing is time when you just let go and kind of escape that? feeling of oh i have to control or or why do you think you're you're completely opposite in your writing i think that's because i know that i love controlling things and you can't control life i mean it's so hard but um i think because i always like to be in control that maybe that's why i don't plan uh the way the details you know the minimum details of a scene and let it flow so i can lose the control and get something different creative and that will surprise me too because i enjoy writing um i enjoy seeing the scene develop and then i reread and i think well this is cool i like that I, I think it really it really comes across comes across well. I mean, there were so many just phrases and and notes I marked as I was uh, as I was reading. Another turn of phrase I really enjoyed was Christina was amazed at the lengths to which a guilty heart would go to seek forgis- forgiveness. And uh, another one, the beauty of the morning had turned the prior night's guilty thoughts into a distant fog. And I noticed that guilt was kind of a reoccurring theme. Uh, what role do you think guilt plays in the novel? I believe that your one of your quotes was uh, related to Daniel's guilt. Um, he had taken liberties with Christina that a gentleman in nineteen ten twenties shouldn't, uh, especially with a young lady of good family, which was Christina. Um, this case, 
uh, has to do with uh, the last one, Christina's attraction to Robert, which also, you know, a young lady of good family were not, was not supposed to think about those things. And it had to do with the prior night when they had a pretty uh, steamy moment in his yacht. I don't know if you remember. And... Uh, like I said, young ladies of good family were not supposed to even think of those things. Um, and this is something that I uh, was concerned that I noticed that people want uh, stories to, to be uh, according to today's mores. Well, 1920 was not 2023. Uh, it, they were completely different. Um and in her case, she feels guilty for her thoughts. But at the end of that scene, uh, if I have the, the, the novel here, she concluded that, in fact, she had not done anything wrong. So she absolved herself of her guilt. <laughs> I when I was reading, I was thinking about that. I was like, you know, I'm like, come on, just go for it. You know, you want her to, you want them to have because they have such a, they, it is steamy. They have such a, you know, it's really palpable their their uh, their attraction and 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 you want it to, you want it to culminate. But then I was thinking that I was like, well, it is, you know. 1920 and um you know there it is a different time and I, so then i was just thinking about you and writing about it how did you kind of research and and put you know your your frame of mind into you know 1920s i was uh, brazil was was at least a more conservative country and i my father was gaucho was from south of brazil from those gauchos very conservative so i was raised as the little princess surrounded by you know daddy and mommy my grandmother it was a younger girl so i have a very much the same experience that Christina has, although I was raised in 1960s, 70s, and 80s. Um, but um, my research was um, I had books that mostly in Portuguese, and there are some inter interesting internet websites, people who live in Rio, who post pictures and write things about the past and places in Rio. Uh, and there was a problem that I had was that I saved the whole thing in memory stick and the thing went bad. So I lost the entire research, absolutely everything I had, I lost there. Luckily, I just had a few things like the manuscript, a few details of the novel that I saved in the computer and drive C. But uh, now I learn different, save in different places. But um, I used, unfortunately, I cannot tell you what the books were, but uh, books in Portuguese, obviously for uh, of the era too and and why did you you know because this love story you could have said it in in different different time frames what what was special or why did you choose this post you know world war one 1920s I always loved the past since I was a little girl. My big passion that started when I was a little girl was ancient Egypt. I wanted to be an Egyptologist. Um, but I wanted to include, include in the story the Copacabana Palace Hotel. I don't know if you ever heard of it. 
and it was inaugurated in 1923, so it had to be at least 1923 or 24. Um, so that's uh, the reason why um, mostly that uh, specific time. Um, I like that era too. Uh, fashion is very interesting if you're stick because I I did some I I uh, saw some clothes and they looked like bags sacks not really good <laughs> I, I was trying to get into the the uh, era you know listen to a lot of music even when I was writing I listened to the music of the twenties uh, very different from what we have now. Yeah, and and I you mentioned the fashion, and and that was another aspect that I really enjoyed in your your description of you know clothing and and outfits and stuff. Really added another element. Do you have any background in fashion, or or how did you you know get to such a, a good accurate description on on fashion? Well. When I was very young, many months ago, I was a model in Brazil, and uh, I always loved fashion, um, and I actually got, got books from the library with very detailed pictures of fashion of the time, and I actually, in the story, describe a couple of dresses that I saw in the pictures from a French couturier. Um, I, in my presentation, I have a presentation that shows pictures related to the story. I have the pictures of the dresses. And people who read actually enjoy, oh, how nice, that's the dress she was wearing in the theater. So I did also research on the... And, and I also copied uh, patterns of dresses and put together to see... You know, and, and there is a, even a underwear. I made some of the underwear uh, to see how they dressed. It was it was actually very simple. Uh, they came completely f- away from the Victorian era of the super tight waist. You know, and it's funny that in ten years the fashion changed back again to waist on the waist, correct waist. It's interesting. I. I'm fascinated by those things, shoes and dresses and uh, this kind of stuff. So I enjoy doing the research. Yeah, it comes through. It's really, again, I think it adds just it, the fashion's almost another character and in, in, it adds such a such an amount of uh, richness to to the writing. And, you know, Christine is also uh, an accomplished pianist. Um, uh, do you do you play the piano? No, I actually, many, 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 many years ago, I started try, uh, learning, but I could not make head or tail of the uh, the um, music, uh, written music. So since I am good at hearing and copying sounds, etc., I was learning to play without the music just by hearing so the teacher saw that and yelled at me got mad so i never went back to the class and i love piano i love music anything almost anything um middle ages led zeppelin whatever i love everything i i enjoy music touches me sounds and visual and are very um I don't know how to explain it. It touches me very deeply. 
uh, I go to the museum, I sit in front of, I, I sit in front of the birth of the Venus and I cry like a baby. <laughs> so that's it. What do you think she, you know, because whenever she's playing the piano and uh, again, m- music plays a, a, a role in the story and it draws, draws people in and it just creates this kind of this atmosphere. What, what do you think Christina thinks about when she plays? Boy, I think that she just flows with the music. I, I think I would fly with the music um, because uh, that specifically Fiercheveux-de-Lin is so beautiful. I just close my eyes and imagine nothing. It's just, you know, it's, I, I don't know how to explain. It's, those are the things that are difficult to explain. And I don't think I did much explanation of what she was feeling, just that the music took her because it's it's a feeling um the beauty of the music is overwhelming yeah and i i I guess why i was thinking about that is because i got the feeling that that was her time to escape you know when she felt free when you know she could just shut her mind off and not worry about this or that or this person or that person you know she could just let go Mm -hmm. yeah the the bills to be paid her mother getting sicker and uh, the father gone how to pay maria who would never accept money anyway yep that isn't that funny i i enjoy talking to you because you're showing things that didn't occur to me and yep i think you're absolutely right yeah, and and Christina, and at the kind of the center, obviously it's it's a, lo- a it's a love story, and it's kind of a uh, novel of becoming and and a, and a love story, and her love interest is is Robert Lawton, and but the line of suitors for Christine is not is not short by any means. There's there's plenty of plenty of men that are interested in her, uh, and and. And she knows this. She's she's dealt with that her whole life. But there's something different about Robert. What do you what do you think is different about Robert that that she she can't look the other way, that she she is drawn to him? I don't know. What is that makes people fall in love? It's a mystery. I, I don't know. I believe in reincarnation but uh, uh not in this case because it's a book i don't know maybe maybe it's because he chose to ignore her for obvious reasons because he was just observing her to see if she was really uh, a person that would be worthy of the the her real mother but um who knows uh, who knows chemistry you know you you watch a movie and there are these actors, the man and the woman, and they have such chemistry that it's, it looks so real. I, I can't explain. Well, and he's quite quite the playboy. You know, he's he's basically ha- been able to, um, ha- you know, uh, go from relationship to relationship. And I don't think he's ever really been cap- captivated by someone so much. And I, I think they both really... If they could, they would they would go the other way, but but they can't, and they just keep. There's this attraction be- between them, and and I think it's it is it's very visceral and palpable, and and uh, r- really drives drives the novel. But you know, it's not just it's not just them, but 
everyone seems to be searching for something in the novel. Uh, do you think as as people we're always searching or do we ever find what we're looking for? I was thinking of, uh, you said that everybody's searching in Linux, uh, everybody's looking for something. <laughs> um, I think that most people are looking for something. Um, love, money, uh, an easy life. Uh, if they can achieve, achieve that, well, that is the question. In the book... Um, I never really, well, they were, Robert was searching for her and, and found her, but uh, I don't know. It, it didn't occur to me. Interesting point. Yeah, I, I really liked the idea, you know, and the use of, you know, just the, the concept of, 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 of finding um, because there's a very obvious um literal sense of finding Christina and that that's what Robert is, is, is there and, and to, to find her, but there's also the more, you know, abstract, you know, that, you know, Christina is searching for herself and, and her life as, as well. So I thought it was a really nice play on, on words and, and themes um, there. And, um, so, so I know that you have the sequel that just recently, recently came out and is that, um, can you set that up for us a little bit? What is, what is, what is that about? Is that just a continuation of, of, uh, without giving any spoilers, I guess, to, to how Finding Christina ends? It's a sequel, um, she is she goes to brazil with her she has a child now she goes to brazil with her husband and the child to visit her mother the russian lady who lives in brazil and things happen to separate her from her husband uh and the story is that her husband away and she desperately trying to find him now not sure what happened with him because he just disappeared out of nowhere what's the time difference between uh the first book and the second book about three or four years if i'm not mistaken i you see i forget the dates too <laughs> crazy the woman so so what is your um Obviously, you know, the second book, you're actively, actively writing. What is your, your writing process? Are you a morning writer? Do you write in the evenings? Is it when inspiration uh, hits you? How, 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 what's your creative process? One thing I can tell is I have absolutely no writing process. Um, I write when the spirit moves me, just uh, sometimes watching TV and nothing to do with what I'm writing and something comes up to my mind and I say, excuse me, run to the computer and write. Um, there is one thing too, I, since this is uh, not a historical novel, but it's in the past, I have to do research and I love reading. I'm addicted to reading and I love doing research. So I have to be very careful to 
put a stop to it. Otherwise, instead of concentrating on writing, I'll be concentrating on doing research. But uh, I try to do um, a schematic, a schematic, I don't know if that's what you call it, with uh, this, the second book, uh, with the uh, each chapter, which went array completely nuts, didn't really work. But I worked more on the characters because there are several different characters, and I, uh, although they are very um, short appearances, I want them to be, you know, human uh, that you can relate to them. So I did some writing, thinking about them a little bit, and a little description, but. Um, I don't have a, a technique. I, I, maybe I should develop something. I would say whatever it's working for you, uh, you know, just just like you said, you go with the flow. And when the inspiration hits, uh, and it's very beautiful writing, so I, I wouldn't change for sure. And I'm sure as you've done, you've been doing all kinds of events and and trade shows and and different things and and you get approached by aspiring writers you know, people that have maybe some book ideas and you know you know what's some advice that you share with with aspiring writers i'm sure we'll have some that'll listen to this what what advice would you give them well i'm also on only on my third book starting or should starting um but um i you know they ask you what you do etc i said i i have only one advice start writing and when you start writing because i think this is for me at least is the most difficult thing is the beginning um i sometimes change my mind but start writing no matter what put that in writing then you write 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 and write that's what i tell people they probably think boy that's a lot <laughs> That's what I, 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 I think that's great advice. And I know that's how I got my start with, I was, I started journaling and I just kept, kept writing and I was filling up journals. And then as I was filling them up, all of a sudden some ideas started to take shape and then some characters. And then before you know it, you, you have it, but it only starts by putting, you know, those, those fingers to the keys or the pen to the paper. Do you write? Um, do you write longhand or do you just first draft is right on on the computer? Straight from beginning to end, computer. Yep, everything. Yeah, I'm. I'm. I. I still have been journaling lately. I. I started journaling again, but I definitely when I'm writing, I do computer because I just don't want to have to rewrite it. <laughs> I like. I like that once it's on the computer, it can copy and paste and and uh, and do. In my case, I need Word <laughs> because uh, the problem with English. If it was Portuguese, it would be much, much, much easier. But I, I'm becoming really um, hard for me to write, you know, cursive. The computer is so much faster and easier, and, and your thoughts just fly so fast that it's difficult to follow. And what about uh, you? You write only in English. You don't write in in Portuguese at all. Not at all. No Portuguese. Uh. Uh-uh. I try to read a little bit because I realize that I'm getting a little difficulty when I talk to my friends in Brazil. I'm like, well, how do you say this? How do you say that? And but um, um, I mostly 
read in English and write in English. Yeah, absolutely. Unless I writing any mail to someone in Brazil, uh, but uh, even they speak English too. Could do you, would you see this book being translated in Portuguese? Do you think there would be uh, an option for for that? Do you think uh, people would be interested in reading it in Portuguese? Oh yeah, I they they're complaining a lot. Um, not only my family, uh, friends, and and people who have heard of the book, and I actually tried, but it is so difficult because of the some of the slang I used, and I. Th- Thought, my thought process is in English. I'm not thinking in Portuguese. And the turn of phrase is completely different. And I want to keep the same poetic, um, you know, touch that I have in certain uh, parts of the book. And boy, it's difficult. I said, you know what? I have something else better to do than that. My daughter was promising to translate to Spanish. She's a Spanish teacher. And uh, she's encountered the some uh, the same problem of with the slang. Uh, I know nothing of Brazilian slang of the twenties. Zero. Your research and your thinking about it was in English, so it's hard to go the different direction, right? Actually, the research was all in Portuguese, with very few exceptions. Yeah, very few exceptions. In uh, this case of the second book, because uh, I used a. Um, tramp ship and I have never been in a ship in my life unless when I was a little four months old baby going from the United States to Brazil uh, so I had to learn everything about ship I copy uh, um, pictures and you know designs of ships and I po- pasted it all over the walls here to remember oh so I'm going this and there and there here and there but uh, mostly in, yeah, in Portuguese. The se- this second book was mixed, but the first one was mostly in Portuguese, the research. And I had to translate to English. So now you're, after this latest research, you can add sailor to your, uh, you, you have the, all the Navy, naval jargon down. It's funny how we learn, we, we put on all these different hats and, and the stuff we learn in doing the research. Yeah, this, the, the, um, the ship is a um, um, tramp, and a tramp is a, like a taxi that suddenly they need something somewhere and there is no other ship there, so they dump in the tramp and the tramp goes. And from there, they might go to another port, so they are not like regular uh, ship line. And that's what I like it because I wanted exactly that. You, If you ever read, you'll see why. So the next question is, I'm always fascinated to hear from authors, uh, I call it first book, last book. And it's, what's the first book you remember reading and what's the last book that you read? I do not know if that was the first one, but I remember vividly a little book that I had when I was a child in Brazil. It was called As Fadas Moranguinhos, which I think it would translate to uh, Little Strawberry Fairies. And what fascinated me because my entire family were all dark hair, dark eyes, and they were so beautiful, blonde, blue-eyed fairies uh, that I loved seeing because it was so different from us. 
Um, and the last book that I just finished reading, I'm, I'm actually reading something right now in Portuguese about the revolution in Brazil, 1930s, for the next story, uh, was Time to Depart. Uh, she's an, a, a British author, Lindsay Davies, and she writes, it's a series, I don't remember what number this is, like seven or eight. It's He's a... Um, detective in ancient Rome. Oh, fascinating. And you mentioned you're starting work on third book. Is that a continuation of Christina's story or is it a new a new new work i was i actually had three books in my mind and um, everybody says now go do the christina the third one the other two are completely different nothing to do with that story era nothing so i guess i'll go with christina again that's what i'm working on right now the other ones maybe later on yeah we uh, we need more christina <laughs> yeah you're gonna have enough and how can how can listeners learn more about you and your books? Um, Facebook, Instagram, Goodreads. They can find me as Emilia Rosa Author, and Emilia is with E E M I L I A. Um, the novels are available online. Uh, they're paperback, any book, um, Amazon, Barnes and Noble. Books a Million, Kobo, many different vendors' websites, I mean, uh, bookstores and companies that sell books only specifically online. And you said Goodreads is is probably the best, and it's Amelia Rosa author? Yeah, but Facebook, Instagram, or Goodreads. Any final words to share with listeners? I am very excited to be here because... Uh, this is such an experience to me, talk about uh, aspects of my novel that I had no idea. So you read it, so you were a reader. So I, I wonder what other people that are reading are taking from the book. It's incredible. It's kind of moving because it never crossed my mind that someone would take such interest in my simple writing. <laughs> Well, the writing definitely draws it draws uh, the readers in. It drew me in, and and I've really enjoyed it. And thank you so much for joining us on the store next door. But for now, it's time for us to head back home. Thanks to Amelia Rosa, author of Finding Christina and Finding Christina: A New Life, available wherever books are sold. And thanks to all of you for taking a stroll with us and visiting the store next door. I'm Doug Cooper, author of the award-winning Outside In and the Investment Club. Club, and the 2019 thriller Focus Lost were brought to you by Rare Bird Books based in Los Angeles, a publisher of 50 plus books per year distributed worldwide by PGW. When you're out and about and around, remember that store next door is your gateway to past, present and future worlds. <laughs>